2: Are they finally going to be playing these games? Oh, thank goodness. Oh, oh sorry. It's Championship Sunday. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter, And, of course, by the end of the day today, we will actually know who is going to be in Super Bowl 52. All the uh, championship action on the fan a little bit later in the day today as well. I know there are a lot of folks who are excited. Of course, there'll be a lot of talk on that uh, Football Sunday program a little bit later this morning, too, and a very special edition of that program. We'll tell you more about that as we uh, proceed uh, this morning. Uh, we have a good guest who is joining us on our program. He has spoken with us before. Rob Franick is joining us on our program today, and he is joining us from Princeton Review. Uh, we've always had good discussions in the past um, first of all, good morning. Welcome back to our program. Rob.
3: Hey, Bob. Thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here.
2: It's good. You sound good and fired up, too, which is what I like. All right. <laughs> um, in the course of this discussion, we'll get into talking about a number of uh, different areas, uh, including uh, some that are going to intrigue some of the folks listening to us. We'll try to involve some of them in the discussion as well. Great. well I always like to do a little bit of background here. Now, believe it or not, Rob, we've yeah. talked many times there are actually people who may not know what Princeton Review is all about. How do you describe
3: that? Oh, sure. Yeah, we're, we're an education services company. We've been around for 30 years, and we started in uh, 1981 to help students master the SAT, and then we morphed into the ACT, SAT subject, because basically, you know, college entrance exams, but now we've morphed into, into every possible standardized test, from AP exams to MCAT for graduate school students, you know, and GRE and, and, and uh, GMAT. And then we have a full admission services company, financial aid services, uh, so all the stuff to kind of get you into college or graduate school, but but with great substance, right? Figuring out which school is going to be the best fit for you academically, financially, from a career services point of view. And, and you know, that's kind of, you know, what we're talking about today with this new book, too.
2: Rob is the lead author of the book, which is entitled Colleges That Pay You Back the 100 Schools that give you the best bang for your tuition buck. Nice title, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like putting this book together?
3: Well, you know, it's a ton of homework. and and But the thing is that we're in an interesting position at the Prince of Reviews, and we've, we've been doing this stuff for a long time, sort of, you know, Corraling all of this information that I think, uh, you know, is really necessary for college-bound students and their parents to have, you know, sort of at the at the ready to figure out if the school is going to be a great fit for them academically, from a campus culture perspective, and then from a financial aid and career services perspective, are you going to get great return on your academic investment if you're a student, and a great financial invest a, a, a great return on your financial investment if you're a student or a family helping them pay pay the bill.
2: Mm. Well, you know, you mentioned about all this information. I mean, I I think even with the technology that we have today, this almost seems like an overwhelming task. How long does it take in putting a book like this together?
3: takes almost a year to put it together, and, and, and you're right they're, they're you know it's awesome to live in modern times, and that there's so much information, but it's also the blessing and the curse because there's so much information. How could you know a typical student, fifteen through seventeen years old, or their parents, uh, you know, sort of filter for that stuff and focus on, on the information that's um, you know I, th- I think crucial. You know, but that said, I mean, this is the stuff that that it's a pleasure for myself or full team of the Princeton Review to do because it actually makes our job that much easier in seeing schools that are, you know, academically superlative, but then also making, you know, doing the near impossible, which is actually making it affordable for the average student and family. So it's a really good story to tell there.
2: Okay. Now you got a lot of people's attention with the, uh... The portion of the title that talks about this idea of paying you back or giving you the best bang for the tuition buck—yeah, uh, obviously that's intentional. Absolutely. Um, how good, you know, people listening to this this show, um, in some cases, may be as blunt as saying, "Well, how good a deal can I get?" Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and,
3: and, and I, I don't think anybody is wrong to say what's the greatest deal that I can get. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the book is called Colleges That Pay You Back. I just didn't I didn't call the book, you know, best cheap colleges or, or you know <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's intentional as well. Even though many of these schools can be great deals financially for the average student and student and family. So so the, the thing is that I, I think people that are starting the college process or maybe if they have kids that are right now, you know, applying to schools they're gonna be getting their letters of admission you know, back between, let's say, you know, early, early January through uh, middle of March, many of those folks might want to say, you know, can you match, you know, a, school A with what school B is offering me? I think that that's probably not going to be a successful strategy. But what you can say, I think very, very honestly and with, you know, with great confidence is that, listen, my son or daughter, they love school A but we just can't make the numbers work. That's more of a conversation that you can have with the you know, dean of admission, VP of enrollment, financial aid folks, because that says that you've done your research, right? And that, and that you and your son or daughter have found fit in that school through all the levels that we, that we chatted about, and, and that becomes much more of a conversation.
2: Okay, what about the whole question that obviously comes up from some folks, too, of public schools versus private colleges? What's the difference there?
3: Well. Co- of things from a financial aid perspective and, and this is where I think people you know you know want to hear this information in in my mind to just know what the numbers are out there. Because when we you know we read the newspaper, however you get your news, you know, there's lots of stories and these are kind of troubling stories of students that are taking out ballooning debt, you know, fifty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then maybe didn't graduate from college. So just to sort of set the record straight, one year, and this is total cost of attendance. We call this the big four at the Princeton Review. That's tuition, room and board fees, and books. So without any blinders on, tw- it's, it's $20,770 for one year of public college or university average across the states. On the other side of the fence, for, for one year total cost of attendance of a private college, again, tuition, room and board fees and books, it's $46,950. Now those are expensive, but they're not what I think maybe some people might assume, which is $50,000, $75,000 or more.
2: It still is a lot. Of oh, money. it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. You know, I had to help myself up off the floor because you know I went to school so long ago that well, I don't even want to tell you how, oh. how 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 different the cost of tuition was then. And at that time, I thought that was a lot of money. But now, oh, sure. I mean, how do people do it?
4: Yeah, it's 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 crazy. When we start to
3: think about you know just how, and this has leveled off over the last couple of years, but but let's call it you know if we were having this conversation just five years back, um, tuition up until that time was continuing to grow two to three times past the rate of inflation every year for, the, for, the, for 20 years consecutively. So it's not surprising. If, I mean, I went to school 25 years ago, um, and school was expensive. But if we just go back 30 years or 35 years, it, it, the amount compounded over that time of how schools have increased. It really is heart-stopping. And it's heart-stoppingly expensive when we start to hear the cost. But the truth is uh, that there, is, there are lofty sticker costs, but then there are schools that are really, really aggressive about giving out a great deal of aid to those students that, one, needed it from a, from a financial need perspective, and then two, that they want from an academic perspective. So the driver becomes the student and the
5: family.
2: When you say these schools are aggressive about giving out aid, the the first question that popped into my head as you said that is, how aggressive and in what ways?
3: Well, I, I, I'm thinking aggressive in just by way of the scholarship dollars that students are, are receiving to go to those schools. So it's aggressive in the best in the best way. Uh, aggressive because those schools are actively, if you're admitted to that school, let's say. And I'll give you an example. We have a seven different ranking lists in the book, one of which is Best Financial Aid. And uh, there's a school, on it. this is a great, great school. I've been mean, writing about it for a long time at the Princeton Review called Bowdoin College, and it's in Brunswick, Maine. It's only 1,800 students, but the sticker cost is $66,000 every year. But, you know, if it was my parents look at, looking at that or maybe folks that are, are listening today, but the biggest mistake we've seen students and parents make is saying, oh, we could never afford a Bowdoin or another school with that sixty six or $66,000 ticket cost. But here's the thing. They're giving out average aid packages of $42,000. Now, that's not $1 in loan, bub. So bringing it down to about $24,000. What a student and family could typically expect to pay for one year of public college or university in their home state. So that's the stuff that I love writing about because I think now, you know, students and parents that are going through the process can say, hey, that sticker cost school might not actually charge me that full sticker cost. And that is kind of the glory in the process in my mind.
2: And then we get into the whole issue of exactly who qualifies uh, for this.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, that, I mean, is, the, uh, is kind of the, the tricky thing. Now there are, there are 200 schools in the book, um, a third of which are public, um, two-thirds of which are private. Now, we have some of the most competitive schools in the country, like, like Stanford University, right? It's number one on our, on our College of the Payback list. But out of the 35,000 people that applied to Stanford last year, only 4.2% were accepted now if you 're in that cohort that was accepted, then financial aid is not going to be an issue because they will meet a student family 's need one hundred percent. but then there are other schools in the book that uh, you know, are admitting seventy seventy five percent of their incoming class so, so the truth is that we tried to pick a really i think a great cross section of schools by way of competitiveness, but always with that underlying uh, idea of saying they are making it affordable for the average student and family.
2: Mm. It's very interesting uh, publication and interesting discussion that we've really just begun um, in talking with Rob Franick, who is from Princeton Review. He is the lead author on uh, this book. We're going to be talking a lot more about uh, this with him. Our program is on until 7.30 this Sunday morning, and um, a lot of things to get to in uh, this discussion. A little later in this hour, too, we'll try to start to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us if you have some questions. Uh, Questions or comments along the lines of some of the things that we've brought up. Colleges that pay you back, the 200 schools that give you the best bang for your tuition buck. Rob Franek has uh, joined us on our program, as I mentioned. He's with us until the NFL Preview program happens at 7.30 this Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning on the fans. Matter of fact, Championship Sunday. Is, and you've been hearing an awful lot about what's upcoming on WFAN today. I wouldn't go anywhere if I were you. And there's a little surprise a little later this hour, too. Hey, don't don't head anywhere. We're in a very good discussion with Rob Franek on our program He is the lead author on an interesting publication. It comes our way from Princeton Review, and we're talking with him about that. We'll work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us as we continue in our discussion a little bit later in the hour. You mentioned earlier in the first portion of our discussion today about the fact that there are seven categories in this book. What are the categories and why those categories?
3: Well, uh, we have right, seven different ranking lists. The first one is, is a top one to 50, and that is overall colleges that pay you, pay you back. And that is really focused on what is going to be the return on a student's uh, you know, academic investment and that student and family's financial investment. So that's kind of the, the biggest of the list. But then the other six lists I think are incredibly interesting and, and really kind of the most popular ones. I, I had mentioned one before, Bob, which is called Best Financial Aid. Right. As we said, you know, Bowdoin College up in Maine is the number one school for that. But then the, the next one is Best Career Placement. So, again, thinking about what students are doing in the classroom in college. Is it setting them up for internships and co-ops and experiential learning? And then are they using the career development resources at that school to, to actually get a job upon graduation or to move on to a graduate school should they, you know, should they want to. Next is Best Alumni Network and, and this, and we can yap about these things all morning because I mean, they're so interesting. The idea of the alumni network, you know, once you graduate from a school how does that school sort of endear you to, you know, to that community throughout the rest of your life? And it's not just, you know, writing a check to the development office, but it's saying, you know, if I've continued to, to prosper and profit in my own professional life, can I give back to my, my my school through internships and co-ops and hire folks out of there. And then, what if I lose my job mid mid career? You know, can I go back to the school? And then, there's really good news there uh, for students and families as well. N- next is is best career. I mean, pardon me, best internships. Again, looking very specifically about what internships students are getting, and then schools making an impact. And that's kind of a pork belly category. But what are students doing in the classroom that really does? <clears throat> Profit their lives later later on, and we can talk talk about that. So yeah, I mean, there's really I, I think great stuff. Now this last ranking list is is a fairly new one for us, and it's for top colleges um, where students don't have demonstrated need, so they're not they're not likely going to receive financial aid through the government through the FAFSA form, which we can talk to uh, as well. But they're still actively giving out merit based money for those students based on SAT and ACT scores and GPA.
2: Mm. Let's back up for a second because you intrigued me with this idea of best career placement. Oh, yeah. And I would imagine that gets a lot of students and their parents' attention because, you know, a a lot of people want to know, you know, what's down the road? Can I get a job in this field? And basically is one of the big questions I'm assuming always comes up.
3: Absolutely. And the thing is, Bob, and I'm so glad that you brought it up because, because students and parents might be feeling that, that way right now if, you know, if, let's say your son or daughter is in, is in high school, and you should be feeling that way. And you shouldn't feel like it's taboo to bring those things up. Is my son or daughter going to get a job upon, upon graduation? Yes, we should feel empowered to bring up that, that, that question. But honestly, you know, five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, it would have been taboo to bring up that question. But now it's not. For all, the reasons that we've been discussing, right? College isn't getting any less expensive. And as we start to think about the value of a college education, we have to understand that there's going to be value for that student, you know, upon graduation. So so yeah, I mean career career placement is a huge interest.
2: And you know you talk about this idea of value for the student upon graduation leads perfectly into talking about the next category that you mentioned and I made note of this as you said it. The idea of the alumni network. Mm-hmm. Okay and those two words can go together in a way that it's almost like a perfect fit, isn't it?
3: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely i mean when you start to think about it you know I, I end up i'm on the road most of the most of the academic year you know talking to students and parents and, and, and you know really about finding a school that's going to be the best fit for you and when i say things like you know listen people are going to ask you where you went to college until you take your last breath and that's that's not exaggerated at all and, and but the thing is if you've chosen correctly if you've chosen a school that's going to be a great fit for you academically campus culture, financial aid, career services, then you're going to want to, and, and, and your experience at that school is good, huh, then you're going to want to talk about that school forever. And, and alumni networks you are going to want to mine your experience and your contagious energy about about your experience at that school and that's going to happen throughout your lifetime you know i went to a little school in new jersey and i and i think about this place all the time little is a little school called drew university i loved it and you know i'm on the board out there i mean I, I talk about the school all the time and it's 25 years since i've graduated and that's just my singular experience but there are so many millions and millions of folks that had that same experience and can actively give out to current undergraduates at that school
2: Internships. Now, this is an interesting area because, you know, there are a lot of people who have um, had internships, uh, done internships, whether they were uh, paid or not paid, um, that in some cases led to or directly led to paid positions. But an internship doesn't necessarily lead directly to a job, obviously. But it can be, I would think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rob, a great way for a student to kind of find out the culture and the job field they're interested in.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the and you hit it right on the head. The value of an internship is, it really, there's, there's lots of different values. One, you know, giving you an experience, giving you a, a very clear look as to what, a particular industry or profession could yield for you. And then you might decide, I love this field. Or you might decide, I hate this field. And just think about the time <laughs> savings. If you, could, if you could do that when you're an undergrad, that's awesome. Whether you love it or you hate it, you're learning something about that profession that you're going to, you know, be able to take with you. And that's going to help you decide what your next steps are going to be. Um, you know, on the, on the paid part of the internship, and we should say that, you know, schools, you know, if... if parents are listening now, or students are listening now, and they start to, you know, make a campus visit to a particular college where they start getting information in that, you know, in the mail or through email or whatever. People will, on the school side, the, on the college side of the fence, will call internships, internships, they could call them co-ops, you know, that idea of cooperative learning, experiential learning, learn by doing, whatever the nomenclature is that's preferred at the school. doesn't matter because it all means the same thing. It means what are you doing outside the classroom, to complement, likely, what you've studied in the classroom, but to give you the experiences that you're, that you're citing. And, you know, in this number one school, on and I'm a huge fan of this school, and it's Northeastern University in Boston is the number one school uh, for best internships. But, you know, they have... Two, a little over 2,000 internships, and they call them co-ops at, at Northeastern, that, they can, that students can take. And they spend one full year uh, uh, you know, in that cooperative experience. We call Northeastern graduates at Princeton Review, you know, without exaggeration, some of the most employable upon graduation because of those internships, because of those co-ops that those students are taking.
2: You know, that's been a situation, correct me if I'm wrong on this, hasn't that been something that has been a strong suit of Northeastern for years, that they've offered that kind of um, approach where students have, you know, a lot of students wind up with internships?
3: Absolutely. And, and you're very right. Now, Northeastern is a, is a good example, but it's a particular example because they are the leaders in this field. I mean, they've been doing this stuff 50-plus years, and, and they require a student to take that co-op, that internship, and it's one full year of their studies, right? So, so that means that your undergraduate experience is not going to be four years. It's going to be five years. So people have to factor that in, but many of those internships and co-ops are paid, right? So, and then students are earning jobs upon graduation, likely because of those internships, as you cite, but it's important to understand the specifics. So it's a five-year degree, not a four-year degree, but one full year spent outside the classroom, likely in a paid position.
2: All right, let me follow on another one of the categories you mentioned a few moments ago, and that was schools that make an impact. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, just thinking about what students are doing academically, and I'll give you a, a, an example. We've been writing a lot about the idea of entrepreneurship on the undergraduate side, on the college side of the fence. But, you know, one of the things that we've been chatting about Prince Princeton Review is the idea of Entrepreneurship, you know, students that really love business and want to go in for themselves, you know, to, to start their own businesses, but then pairing that with particular undergraduate majors, music, biology, but then other things that can cure social problems, uh, in using that, you know, sort of entrepreneurial moxie and then, and then focused on, on things that are actually doing really, really good stuff. So it's an academic perspective. What are students doing by way of services, uh, and resources on campus? And then are they giving back? to that school after they graduate as well.
6: Mm.
2: It's got to be an awful lot of fun uh, doing this because there's so many different areas that are covered. The book, again, is entitled Colleges That Pay You Back, the 200 schools that give you the best bang for your tuition buck. We're talking with Rob Franick, who is the lead author on this book. He is with Princeton Review. He's joined us by phone on our program. If you want to uh, join the discussion, by the way, with a question or comment in the area of some of the things we're talking about, uh, you can call us at 877-337-6666. That's the phone number here at WFAN, 877-337-6666. When we talk about the whole process with the school. We've touched upon this before. What is it that admissions officers are looking for?
3: It's really, you know, and this question comes up all the time, so I'm glad that you brought it up, but it's so focused and simple when we start to think about how college-bound students from a college application are attractive to an admission office, and admission, you know, committee. The number one most important thing that a, an admission counselor on the college side of the will look for when they start to evaluate a student's application is going to be that student's high school GPA, but we're, we can sharpen that by saying their high school GPA and their high school transcript. You know, If, if we, folks are listening to this conversation, they have to know that a student's high school transcript is the weightiest, the most revealing document in a college admission application because it answers this question. Did that student challenge themselves when they were in high school? Did they challenge themselves? You know, Regular-level courses, advanced-level courses, AP-level courses, IB-level courses, what were the opportunities that you had at, you know... Old Bethpage High School, and then did you did you take advantage of those challenges? And then obviously, what's the GPA? But it is absolutely the primary driver. Mm. Close second is going to be SAT and ACT scores, uh, you know, as being standardized standardized uh, tests. And and but cross those two streams, uh, you know, high school GPA and transcript and SAT and ACT scores that will unlock, you know, admission to the majority of schools, and at so many of those schools, unlock scholarship dollars based on your academic performance, uh, you know, to to attend those schools. So I, I can't stress enough how powerful those two levers are. Mm.
2: And to go over something you mentioned earlier, because there are people who are just joining us in our discussion, Rob. As amazing as a thought as that may be, <laughs> I always think people are going to be riveted from the exact sure. moment that we start speaking. <laughs> yeah. um, the average grant to a student these days is what?
3: Well, I mean, it's it's, it's nearly
2: you know to call it twenty
3: five to twenty six thousand so, dollars. I mean, Phew. it is a it could be it could be great and it could be powerful. Um, but, but the way that students get those dollars is just that we're disgusting. Disgusting, pardon me. It, it is high school GPA and SAT and ACT scores for the majority of schools. Now I should say, and, I'm, and maybe this will come up in the questions with, with callers as well, is that there's something called test optional schools, which simply means that you need that a student needn't submit their SAT scores or their ACT scores for academic admission to those schools. But I think as you and I have talked in the past, past Bob. We should also know that schools that are test-optional might still require your SAT or ACT scores for scholarship dollars. So, so to be considered for scholarship dollars, let's just be smart. You know, and my job at Princeton Review is to say, listen, you know, I have no gain in this by, by leading a student and a parent wrong. So if a school is test-optional... Yes, you needn't submit those SAT and ACT scores for academic admission, but some of those schools might require it for scholarship dollars. So just let's just be clear about the process and and some of the pitfalls that some folks fall into.
2: Rob Franick is talking with us on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. The NFL preview happens at 7.30. We're talking with him about some of the information that's contained in colleges that pay you back, the 200 schools that give you the best bang for your tuition buck. Rob is with Princeton Review, and he's joined us by phone on our program. You want to join us in our discussion, and we're starting to get folks who are um, jumping on the lines here, 877-337-6666. I want to have the opportunity for folks listening to us to ask some questions of Rob in uh, the course of this discussion. Of course, there's things that I want to bring up as well, but our listeners often take us in interesting areas of uh, discussion, too. I'll tell you what. We will do that as we continue on our program this Sunday morning. You know, I love the fact that he gets as excited as he does, and he's so handsome, too. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. On our program on Sunday mornings, we get into interesting areas of discussion. We're in one with Rob Frannick. Rob is from Princeton Review, and he is talking with us about some of the information that's contained in colleges that pay you back, the 200 schools that give you the best bang for your tuition buck, And we've shared an awful lot thus far in our discussion. Now let's work in some of the folks listening to us. WFAN's toll-free line, 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. All right, to the phones we go. First to Paul in Plainview, who's been holding for a while. Paul, good morning. Welcome to the fan.
7: Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, For those of us with college kids or kids heading towards college, this is a very fascinating topic. Uh, But I need to ask you a question in regard to St. John's University, if that's in the book. And secondly, is going to a community college for two years and then going to a bigger school, paying the extra money, obviously a better choice, or is it better just to go to the four-year school and... Just for the reputation, if you will, for going to that school for four years.
3: Yeah. Hey Paul, that's a great. I, mean, I this is a great question, and, and I should say we're huge uh, St. John's fans at the Prince Review. We we do write about St. John's in lots of different publications. Now it didn't make the list of the two hundred schools. Now there are nearly twenty New York schools, you know, some city, Long Island, and throughout the whole the whole state. So St. John's not on that list. But to answer your question, this is one that comes up all the time. Should you know, I advise my son or daughter, you know, to go to a two year school or should we follow the four year school route? Now the two year school route. You know, a student will likely graduate with a associate's degree. Uh, it will likely be a community college. You know, some, somewhere that that student can commute from home. There's likely going to be a great savings from that from that school. And the truth is, you can transfer to any four year college, particularly if that st- student has done really well in those first two years. Here's the only wrinkle with going from a two, well. There's two wrinkles: going from a two year school to a four year school. Not every student wants to start at a two year school. So you have to, you know, sort of know your son or daughter. They have to know themselves and say, can I do well in this? in this regard now there's going to be a great cost savings you're right typically speaking but one thing to keep in, in mind and this just never really comes up in the in discussion is that since you're going to be at that four-year school when you when you, when you matriculate and when you after you apply after two years you're likely going to earn less scholarship dollars because you're only going to be there for two years so that's just something that i would keep in the back of my mind as well as when you're visiting that community college and that four-year college just to find out what those average scholarship dollars are for transfer students
7: Okay, and the other thing you had said in regard to relationships that you build at the school, is that also a factor in this as well? You know, it 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 is. The truth is that if you if you if you you know sort of ultimately
3: end up at a four year college, then you're going to build those relationships there. Just because a student transfers in after a year or two years of study at another school doesn't mean they can't you know have the same the same you know advantages and resources. You're just going to have less time to do it. So that's where I think you just have to again know yourself, know your your son or daughter, and and honestly, schools are really really good about wrapping students in as soon as they get onto campus, whether they're a transfer student or first year student to make sure that they understand the services that are, are available to them. And I'll just sharpen this one more while I'll say one, one more quick thing. What I kind of love is Bob and I were talking about this idea of internships and co ops. When I was in college, you know that those things happen in maybe your junior year in college. But the truth is that now students are getting that kind of outside the classroom experience from their first day, first semester on campus. Now, that's just one other thing to keep in mind, that you're likely going to have multiple, for a typical student, multiple experiences outside the classroom that are going to give them, you know, that kind of internship co-op experience and could likely help them later on from a career perspective.
7: Got it. Thank you, gentlemen I appreciate it.
2: Paul, well, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Good luck, too. Uh, stay on the phones, 877-337-6666. That's our number here at The Fan. We go next to John in Piscataway, New Jersey. John, good morning. Welcome to The Fan.
6: Good morning, and thank you for ha- taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, my situation is that uh, I have a grandson who's a junior at UMass, and one um, of the prerequisites for uh, attending grad school is that he uh, do an internship. He is studying accounting, and he lives on Long Island. And he'd like to stay on Long Island. And uh, I have worked hard, as he has worked hard, in trying to attract any accounting firm, or any firm for that matter, in getting him this internship. And we seem to have run into a brick wall where we have not had any success in any way shape or form of getting him involved in an internship he uh, does not want if it's at all possible to uh, stay up in um, Boston because uh, then he he would have to pay for his uh, his uh, housing and food and everything else and quite frankly his parents can't afford it mm-hmm. so my qu- my question to you is is there a, a, a trick? Is there a another way? Uh, are we going about trying to get his internship the wrong way? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss as to how to try to help him, and I want to help him in every way, shape, or form, but I, I don't know what to do.
3: Hmm. Yes, yeah, is a good question, uh, and it's John, right? Right. Yes, right. Yeah, John. John, great, great question. I, I I don't to answer your question. One, I don't think you're doing anything wrong at all. It sounds like you and your grandson and likely his parents are are taking on, uh, you know, a huge part of the responsibility and a part of the process. Hey, here's the only thing. I'll just ask a couple of quick questions. Are you using? and I'm a huge UMass fan. Does he go to UMass Amherst or UMass Boston? Amherst. Amherst, yeah, a huge, huge fan. It's the flagship uh, of the UMass system and, and, uh, you know, where I I write about the school often. Are you you using and is he using the career development office specifically at UMass and or his academic department, whether it's the accounting department or business department uh, on campus, to help use their resources and their connections to mine internships for him?
6: Their connections, and this is just uh – my guess uh and my uh poor memory as to what was said to me that uh they'd be willing to help him but only up there oh uh, i see yeah hmm.
7: hmm.
3: yeah i mean i i i you know I wouldn't be I, I would actually be more insistent. I would get I would get back into that office. And so, I mean, UMass is a huge is a huge system. Uh, you know, New York City is only a couple hours away. I mean, I, I, I suspect that if you push them a little bit and ask them again, and saying I'm I'm going to need some, some more help here. I totally understand they're probably going to have better relations close close by or in Boston, and then there's some added expense with with that. But I would be more insistent. I don't think that you're doing anything else wrong. Here's the other thing that might be might be really helpful to to reach out to the alumni network. Now, there's certainly an alumni relations office at, at UMass and, and, and many of the other schools that are, you know, across the country, as Bob and I were talking about. I wonder if you can reach out through the alumni relations to see if anybody in that alumni network might be an, an accountant or, or working in an accounting firm. That might be another interesting way to focus on it.
6: That's a good idea. I, I would never have even given that a uh, uh, thought at all. Oh well, good.
3: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And UMass is a huge school, and that means lots and lots of people graduate each year. And you know, they go on to do well. They've been around forever. Yeah, so that that's a I would I would focus on 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 that one.
6: All right, I, I will I will try to do that, and uh, I thank you for that suggestion. That's a good one.
2: Thank you. Travel safe. I Doug. appreciate you. Thank you you for your patience on the phone as well. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan. If you're on hold, stay there. We try to get to you as expeditiously as possible on this program. (laughs) Uh, Next up is uh, Sonny in Malvern, New York. Sonny, good morning. Welcome to The Fan.
5: Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking the call. I really appreciate it. Uh, This is more of an SAT question, if you don't mind, Rob. Sure. Uh, My son's in 10th grade. He just took the PSATs. And now he's getting a lot of letters from uh, different schools. Yeah. So I would imagine this is the first time I'm experiencing this. this uh, so I would imagine those schools, he's hitting a certain profile through his, obviously his scores and the school which he goes to now, which is a Catholic school, because he's receiving letters from Catholic schools and also from schools that hit his, his PSAT score. Is right. that correct, Rob? Uh-
3: that is absolutely correct. And, and, and the, here's the thing, Sonny, this is not going to stop, you know, particularly if, if your son is, is talented, he's done well on, on the PSAT, he's likely going to do well on the SAT or the ACT or you know, both if, he took, if he's going to take both exams in the next year. And you're right, schools, colleges, college and universities will buy uh, those student names from, you know, College Board or, you, you know, from, from the ACT themselves uh, and then start targeting those those students. And, and the truth is that's probably not a bad process, but, but here's the thing to just keep a look uh, out for. You know, one, I always think more information is better than not, so this is a good, a good thing. But some schools will try to attract a student, particularly if, you know, they're, they're gifted test takers and they've done really well, and then their high school profile is going to match them. It's just, it's kind of hard to filter and focus for those things. So as Bob and I were talking about the idea of finding fit, you know, thinking about fit from an academic perspective, campus culture, Make sure that all of those things are on your hit list and that you can tick them off when you're reading this material or when you're talking to these people on the phone or, or certainly when you go and visit
5: campus. Right. Now, uh, how much is there flexibility? Say a, score, say a school says you look it up in their SAT requires, for example, 1,200 to 1,400. Yep. Say your son or daughter has 1,100. Is there, do they, is there flexibility? I mean, I'm sure they look at GPA, too. Obviously, my son's very well-balanced. He plays three sports. You know, he he does volunteer work. He's very well balanced, which I think is very important, obviously, what these schools are looking for.
3: Absolutely, it, it, yeah. It's that you know, sort of student that has you know, he, he's, he's absolutely, your son is already ticking off all the boxes, right? Talented academically, you know, uh, you know is able to balance you know athletics and, and along with schoolwork. I mean, this is great. And and you're right. Schools, colleges, and universities are going to focus on that on that student, that kind of Renaissance student that can you know really do do it all. So so absolutely. But high school GPA is always going to be first on the list. Second, you know, as by way of pecking order and just what it's uh, you know what is most attractive to, to them. SAT and ACT scores are a close you know, second, and then all of the other things, what students are doing outside the classroom.
5: And one last question, Robert, if you don't mind. And how important is it, the high school that he goes to and how challenged that is? He, go, he goes to a very good Catholic school called Kellenberg on Long Island here. So, How important is that? Do they, they recognize that, don't they, the colleges?
3: Absolutely, and Kellenberg Memorial, I've been there many times. It is a, it is a great school, and here's the thing, particularly if, you know, I, I mean, we all live in the, you know, tri- tri- many of us live in the tri-state area, so we have lots of, you know, great, great schools, and we should know that that, that perception and the brand and the reputation of a school really does uh, speak volumes to those admission counselors and those admission committees, you know, reviewing our our, our kids. And, it's, and that's, you know, I'm sure your college office at Kellenberg is going to say the same thing, but you can hear it from me as a third party. It absolutely matters in the process.
5: All right, thank you. That's important because I'm working hard to make sure he gets, being a, uh, you know, the greatest possible position to be successful, and that's mm-hmm. why I put him there. So thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Of
3: course, of course. Good
1: to, good to talk to you.
2: Thank you, Sonny. All right, next up on The Fan is Kevin from West Islip. Kevin, good morning. Welcome to The Fan.
1: Good morning Thank, thanks for taking my call. I have a, a three part question and I'm, I'm going to try to be really brief for you uh, the, the first part is, just to give a quick background is i, I never really went to college took college courses in high school um, and, I, and I went to about a year of a community college when I was younger um, long story short so I when I had children I was sort of a novice at the uh, at the whole college education uh, you know experience and, and and how to work it. My older son was fantastic. He went to a FIT in the city, actually. And, and I got to say, they, I don't know where they are on your list, but he's done amazing through networking after the fact. Oh, I love this. And he's doing well for himself. My younger son, that's the crux of it right now, is going to Johns Hopkins. Yep. <laughs> um, huh. So obviously, obviously you're aware that, you, that that's a major burden. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. Okay, now at first, they were very diligent, like you said, about, you know, you know that $66,000 school giving you thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000 Right. Um, got into year two, I'm sorry, year three. He's now a senior, actually. Uh, got into year three, and because he made a little bit of extra money, and because I made more money, yeah. and because he lived off campus, which they actually uh, um, own the, 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 the site that he lives on, hmm. which is only a block away, they reduced it by literally almost eighteen thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! But I was able to, you know, to arbitrate it and 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 appeal it and get and get another like nine to ten thousand dollars back. So it wasn't 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 horrible. Um, <clears throat> so my question is, uh, is is there any other method you can think of that I that I could somehow? You know, like, like a friend of mine told me, I should all—I I should literally have my son threaten to leave. But at this point, it's too late. He's going to graduate this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but is, is there? He, but he plans on going back there for a fifth year. Is there any other method you think you can think of that that I should utilize to to try to, you know, get them to give me the maximum number of dollars possible?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question, Kevin. And, and here's the—the the fifth year is it going to be a fifth undergraduate year? Is he going to do a graduate program that fifth year? What's the
1: Okay. <laughs> he's he's going for he's he's completing his second major.
3: Second major, okay, gotcha. So his second undergraduate major. Right. Okay, I mean I think you 're doing the the right things. It seems like you 've been in contact with with Hopkins. i mean and this is a fabulous you know school and I was just looking it up and it is in 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 the book that we 've been you know talking about this morning colleges that pay you back but you know, I, you, know you, you know this better than <laughs> better than me fifty one thousand dollars just just for raw tuition added another at least fifteen thousand dollars for room and board, and then additional fees. so I suspect that's probably you know. Uh, what they're subtracting from your from your aid package, but I, I I do think it's the conversation that you need to have, and I, and I don't think it is the threatening to, to to leave, but I do think that you sitting down with the it's likely going to be the financial aid office, but I would right. use the advocacy from you know an academic department that your son is in, particularly if he's staying for a fifth year. Now you have I think. I hate to call it leverage, but it's it's something like leverage. Because you've invested, right. he's invested himself academically and and absolutely they should give you some some sit-down time.
2: All right, Kevin, we got a roll here. Okay. I'm sorry. All Good right. luck to you. Uh Rob Franick will talk more with you as we continue. And we move into our seven o'clock hour You're on the fan. WFAN. WFAN F M. Along after our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is by doing the sports update program. At 7.30 this morning, the NFL preview program happens. Boomer Esiason and the gang taking a look at Championship Sunday. And speaking of Championship Sunday, that spectacular NFL program is along after our 9 o'clock update this morning with a special surprise and twist to it, too, that you've been hearing about. I don't think you're going to want to miss that. We're in discussion. That's a good one with Rob Franek on our program. Rob, the lead author of Colleges That Pay You Back, the 200 schools that give you the best bang for your tuition buck. What's the biggest thing that surprised you in putting this book together?
3: Well, Bob, I think... that there's so much financial aid available. Um, when I think about it, it's a hundred and eighty-one billion dollars this year, right? So our focus at the Prince Review and putting colleges to pay you back together is, you know, focused on on schools that are in my mind, doing the near impossible, which is to not make college unaffordable for the average student and parent, but the truth is there's a lot of money to be had out there, and I think that that might just give a little bit of you know, comfort and solace to people that are starting, starting the college process you know, in the next year or years.
2: Mm. And are people surprised when they hear those kinds of numbers?
3: Every time. Every time that I say 180 billion dollars, it's surprising. <laughs> but I, and I can sharpen it and say, listen, you know, there's only. Uh, and and I, I really liked, uh, you know, Kevin, the last caller that we were chatting with. You know, he said that he didn't go to he, he, had, he completed a little bit of college and then did, didn't, you know, didn't finish. But the truth is that whether you as a parent went to college or you didn't go to college, you're either learning or relearning about the college process with your kids. Because the truth is. You know, we've all been out of school for 20, 25 years, whatever it might be, um, and schools have changed. I mean, they've changed tectonically every year since you graduated or, you know, since you thought about college the last time. So there's that. The other thing is only a third of students in college today actually pay the sticker cost. So the other two-thirds are are receiving some sort of financial aid. And just another global number, 70% of all students are receiving financial aid to help pay for college. So, again, trying to give some solace and comfort – I, I do think that you have to be smart and navigate the process intelligently with confidence and that's you know kind of where my job comes in.
2: Mm. Well, we are sharing with folks listening to us the opportunity to ask questions um, along the lines of things that we're talking about in this discussion with Rob Franick. and let's go back to the phones. WFAN's toll-free line 8773376666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Let's go to uh, Lonnie in Westchester. Lonnie, good morning. Welcome to the fan.
7: Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. I had uh, two questions. First, um, my daughter is a freshman at URI um, and uh, just finished her first um, semester. She transferred uh, in with 31 credits uh, out of her uh, high school career. So um, the first question is, what are the benefits of uh, graduating a full year early other than obviously saving uh, one full, full year of uh, tuition? Right. Um, do jobs look at that um, highly? Um, and then the second one was on internships. Um, what are the odds or chances of getting paid internships as she's looking at obviously in the New York city area and the commute obviously is going to Cost a little bit of money, three hundred fifty to four hundred dollars to commute a month, um, and you know, are there ch- good chances of getting paid internships there? Yeah,
3: I, lo- I love these questions, uh, Lonnie, and this this is great. Well, first of all, you know, kudos to your daughter thirty one credits from high school that's awesome, and I can yes. imagine you know, University of Rhode Island is a is a fabulous school, and uh, you know, it's been. We've been profiling it a long time at the Prince Review, so this is just you know, great, great and good stuff. To answer your question, I mean, the idea of graduating early, does it have value? Certainly, as you say, the you know, value from the, from the wallet perspective, absolutely. But, but from an, employee, an employer perspective, or if your daughter wants to move on to a graduate school or professional school, I mean, graduating early, you've just continued to do everything that a college wants you to do, right? Which is continue to challenge yourself. Do, do well, not to overburden yourself with, with with academic challenges, but to do well in the challenges that you take on, and clearly she can do the, do the work. So I think th- that continues to tell a good story from an education perspective and from an employment perspective. And then internships – the truth is that there are many paid internships, but paid internships can happen in a spectrum of, of things. Now, as we were talking about with Northeastern a little while ago, Bob, Bob and I, many of those internships are paid internships, um, but other ones might not be, but they might give you a stipend. They might give you a travel stipend. Uh, they might give you you know, some travel and lunch and things like that. So, so it might not be a fully paid internship like at Northeastern, but to save on some expense into New York City from from, from your home outside of town absolutely those things happen and they happen often
7: great that's awesome I really appreciate your help with that what's her major no
2: what's her major by the way Lonnie
7: um she has a dual major she's uh dual major in communications and uh, public relations and she's contemplating a um a minor in business uh just finished with a 375 on her first semester so awesome. very proud of her
2: good very for proud. her
3: well done well done
2: thank you certainly thank you. good luck Thank you, sir. Thank Bye-bye. you. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan this Sunday morning. You want to join Rob Frenick in our discussion and um, talk with him, ask a question, make a comment. You can. Uh, let's go next to John in New Jersey. John, good morning. Welcome to The Fan.
4: Uh, good morning. i make this quickly. First of all, I'm 75 years old. I'm a grandfather. I put my four kids through college, two through George Washington. Now, on George Washington... You haven't heard this yet, but I got a big break because I got half tuition for the second one. They were two years apart at George Washington. Right. The, the, uh, the uh, uh, Northeastern, my youngest, my, my daughter went to Michigan State, Michigan. Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, but, and then uh, my youngest went to Northeastern. Now, quick story on Northeastern. He was not the greatest in the world student. And he got his internship, and so on. And he he lived, he lived off campus with his friends. And the college experience—they party hardy all the time. And <laughs> we were up there, and uh, he, all, all, the, all the all the guys in the house were going out to the Cape after uh, Labor Day for a week. They were going to have a good party. I said, "Dave, are you going?" He says, "No, no, I can't go. I got my job." I, said, I love wow. it. Oh, thank you, what a you. day. <laughs> yeah. but, but why I'm here, why I'm calling you is. What do you think of, because my grandkids are you know, computer maniacs, they're great, uh, of the digital universities now, especially Arizona State. They are advertising unbelievably and getting, according to them, I haven't checked it out with U.S. News yet, but uh, great results. Uh, I don't know if you, you know if you are interested in that at all. What do you think of it, though, as the way of the future?
3: Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, John, excellent question, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up. That idea of... You know, if students are learning online, how is this going to change the way that students learn? You know, the brick-and-mortar schools that, that, you know, we we went to or that our kids went to or whatever, that – it's just not going to be the same model with the same offerings from 10, 20, 25 years ago. Right. Can, and that's kind of the glory of it, right? Schools, colleges and universities continue to change and they continue to meet students where they are comfortable studying and then to think you know, differently about how we educate students. So I, I applaud ASU, Arizona State University. You know, Michael Crow is there as their president has been a leader in that idea of digital learning, online learning and hybrid learning. Right. So, so, maybe it's not going to totally replace the college experience. There's a school out in, California, which I'm a big fan of, called Minerva. It's started off called the Minerva Project, where all classes are taught online. You still live in a brick-and-mortar you know, kind of residence hall, but all of your classes are taught online. That's kind of like the outlier still on the process. But, but ASU and other schools like that, that have hybrid learning, so you take some classes online, some classes uh, in the, in, you know, the brick-and-mortar classroom, and it's the mixing and crossing of the streams there that I think is pretty glorious, and it's likely going to set those students up, those graduates up, to do really, really well. Bell upon graduation,
4: right. That's good. I, I want to give kudos to uh, Northeastern, uh, not just because they, uh, you know, set a serious tone for my my uh, my son, but also the admissions policy was was much easier than the others. Totally hear you. You know, and and, and, and I uh, uh, applaud. You know, and as Bob and
3: I were talking about, I write. We write about a lot of schools at Princeton Review. I, I think that you know, they're certainly the most competitive schools in the land. But not every student is going to get into them, and they wouldn't want to. They're not going to be great
4: fits there. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, and
3: you got you're right. You have to think broadly. You have to widen the lens. And that is, in my mind, the fun and the, and again the glory of the college
4: research yeah. part of the process. Now, there's also, in the University of Michigan, there's a thing called the residential college, yeah. which is, if you're, if you're specializing in language, and some of them have, I know Rice University has the same thing, uh, where you, uh, if, if you want to learn a language, you get immersed in that language from freshman year on. And you live with all the other people that want to learn Spanish, French, Chinese, and so forth in a wing of the door, in, in, this, in this college. And you, you, go to, you speak it at lunch, breakfast, and so forth. So I don't know if you're aware of that, especially in, in uh, Michigan. God, love
3: a I love it. I, mean, and I am familiar with programs like that. And I think, again, you know, those students are going to have a great experience as an undergrad, but then think about their value upon graduation. I mean, they're right. they're they, just they, going to do so well.
4: Right. They take, the other, they take the other classes. But my daughter came out by tri-lingual, not English, English, French, Spanish, and, and then, of course, the oh, native. my side. word. You know, so That's kudos fabulous. to the University yeah. of Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. But again, I I, I encourage all grandparents. I said, I'm 75 years old. A grandparent, I have eight eight grandkids, uh, and you know, just get involved in the process. Go, you know, and and it'll be it'll be a rewarding experience for you as well as you know your grandkids.
2: Excellent, John. Thank you very much. Certainly, good my luck pleasure. Thank you. you. All right. Interesting discussion, interesting perspectives from folks listening to us, as always. Rob Franick from Princeton Review is talking with us and talking with us about some of the information contained in colleges that pay you back. And we'll talk more with him as we continue on our program. Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge after our 8 o'clock update. NFL preview happens at 7.30 this morning in that fabulous Football Sunday program on the road. Hmm. At 9 this morning. I love the fact there's always things happening with WFAN these days. And those guys are going to have a fantastic broadcast this morning after 9. Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge after our 8 o'clock update. NFL preview happens at 7.30 this morning. Congratulations, by the way, to Fred Ames, who claimed the tickets that we were giving away before our update and um, messages here on the fan. We are in discussion with Rob Franick from Princeton Review and talking with him about some of the information that's contained in this uh, very interesting uh, book that um, we've been sharing information about in uh, this discussion this morning. Also trying to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. 877-337-6666 is our number. Let's go back to the phone and back to Todd in Crawl Place, who's been holding for a while. Todd, good morning. Welcome to the fan.
7: Hey, how's everything going today? Excellent. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Just driving home from work. Hey, listen, a very
6: interesting topic. My
7: my question is, I actually have three kids that are all middle
6: school age. I was just
7: wondering if you you have any suggestions. uh, Maybe I should be doing something now to get them ready for college now or no? What do you think? The earlier
3: I think that parents and their kids start thinking and talking about college, the better. Now, and I don't mean that to say that we have to, you know, sort of, you know, feel like students are getting off track if you're not thinking about testing or the right college or, you know, getting into the best college that, you know, by way of just competitiveness. The truth is that the conversation in my experience at Prince Review, and I've been there now 18 years at the Prince Review, um, it kind of diffuses the craziness around the process and makes students and parents and families in general feel empowered about the process. And that, and that, to me, is the value because you can start talking about, you know, what, what's the place that, you know, you would love to study or what do you like to do in middle school right now and how might that translate into college? And then you can talk about financial aid and money and careers later on. and It just brings in the conversation earlier on and it, and it is, is that much better.
7: Well, you know what? like I, I'm more wondering, like, if there's any uh, maybe extracurricular activities that should be kind of pointing them toward. Like, one of my daughter's, does drama, my son plays hockey. Like, is that good? Is that a way? Waste- time, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. No, they're never a waste of time.
3: And and the truth is, and, and we were talking about this, I think, too, closer to the beginning of the, you know, of the, of, the, of the show, you know, what is the most attractive, what are the things that admission counselors on the college side of the fence are going to look for? We said GPA is number one and the competitiveness of their transcript, you know, have, has a student continuously challenge themselves to his SAT and ACT scores. But then it's all the other things, you know, are students athletes? Are they athletic scholars? Uh, you know, do they play a musical instrument? Are they in theater? And they in Banned. You know, maybe they do none of those things. Maybe they decide that they want to work throughout high school, or they want to volunteer at, you know, a church or a mosque or a synagogue, whatever it might be. Habitat for Humanity. Things that can happen outside of the classroom and outside of the school in general. All of those things, you know, go onto that list of extracurricular activities and allows that college then to say, Hey, you're a great fit for us academically, but now let's look at the other things. You can be a great fit for us in so many different levels. Hmm. Very interesting. All right, cool. Thanks for
1: the advice,
3: Of course, it. of
2: course. Thank you for your patience on the phone and travel safely, too, uh, Todd, this morning. Uh, let's see if we can do one more call here before we sure. wrap up. Let's go to uh, Brendan in Brooklyn. Brendan, good morning. Welcome to the fan.
7: Good morning. I wanted to ask if um, the Princeton Review had two colleges on their list, specifically Cornell
1: and the University of Massachusetts. Cool.
3: I'm looking the Massachusetts them up right. Program. I mean, b- both are excellent schools. Now, Cornell is not on the list this uh, this year. Now, it is on many, many different lists for Princeton Review, uh, but UMass Amherst is on the list and has long been in you know colleges that pay you pay you back. And, and here's a, I mean, just at, at both fabulous schools. It doesn't mean just because a school school didn't make this list that it's not an exceptional school and not a great value to students. These schools, these 200 schools, so UMass is a good example, just superlative. For all the things that we've talked about, plus the financial aid perspective. UMass, you can
7: attend college courses at any of the other five college schools, including Amherst, which is one of the finest schools in America. And Cornell has a, has a SUNY program that's unique.
3: It it, it it does, absolutely, and you're right, the schools, those five schools in the Pioneer Valley, Amherst, also on the list of, of schools profiled in the, you know, in the book, and Holyoke, and I mean, it is a it is a powerful network of undergraduate schools in that Pioneer Valley, and students at any of them get the profit from all of them. Yes, yes. Yeah, thank good you, Steph, of course, of course.
2: Brendan, thank you for your call this morning. Certainly, um, we do appreciate your patience on the phone as well, and your uh, comments, Uh, shared with us hopefully that information is helpful uh thank you to all the folks who have joined us in uh, this discussion with uh, rob franick rob as always um interesting discussions i always love where folks who are listening to us take us in these discussions me too (laughs) because that's that's what the real fun part of this whole thing is absolutely now the key question for you yeah the next edition of this book when do you start putting that together
3: we're, you know, it's not. I'm so glad you asked the question, about it doesn't. It, uh, we're going to start in early part of the summer because it takes us again nearly a full year to put the book together. And and you know, but um, and we've been doing this book as a yearly edition for the last last several several years. But just thinking about what is the value of a college education? I know you and I have discussed this in the in the past. College is of, of incredible value to you know to, to students, both from a salary perspective. You know, the students that have an undergraduate degree will earn nearly two point 8 million dollars more than students without an undergraduate degree they have you know lower rates of unemployment they they live longer with better insurance i mean there's all sorts of different values to college and that's why i like you know continuing to write this book
2: the book is entitled colleges that pay you back the 200 schools that give you the best bang for your tuition book rob franick from princeton review has joined us on our program thank you very much rob certainly good luck continued with your work pleasure
3: to be here bob thanks again
2: Always an interesting uh, discussion with Rob on our programs. At uh, 8 o'clock this morning after our update, it is Rick Wolf with the Sports Edge program and a very special edition of what I like to call a special show, Football Sunday. I always enjoy that program, and I learn things during it too each and every week. And there's a special twist with the show today. That's long after our 9 o'clock update. Our thanks to Brian Rascona for the technical direction. You know what's up next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.